pray. God, we give you honor, we glorify your holy name, Father, because you are good, Father. Our cornerstone, O King of glory, God. You give us so much, Lord. You favored us so much. There is so much, Lord, that you have a God we can worship you for, Lord. And I pray, mighty King of glory, God, that we have that awareness, Father, of who you are, Father, where you've rescued us, God, where you've taken us from, Lord. The Jehovah God, anytime, Father, we come before you, Lord, we understand why the angels just go holy, holy, holy when they see your face, O oh God. I pray, Jehovah God, that we don't take this as a common thing, Father, that we're able to assemble, we're able to, to worship you, to pray, O oh King of glory, Father, that we have a direct line to you, O oh King of glory, God. Let's take this seriously, Lord, knowing, Jehovah God, the price that has been paid for us to be able to do that, Lord. And tonight, O King of glory, Father, I thank you for everybody that's here, myself included, God. And I pray that you may speak to us, O King of glory, God. That Jehovah God, you may quiet all the noise around us, O Lord, so truly we can hear your word, O God. We can be good soil, Father. I pray that you may move me out of the way completely, God, and speak to all of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we are continuing with Romans, and today we are actually starting Romans 9, 1, 5. And if you guys have not been listening or you've missed anything that we, uh, all the other pastors have preached on Wednesday, you guys should go back and listen to it, because it's, it's great and it's a build-up to where we are going. So let's go ahead and read Romans 9, uh, chapter 1, 9, 1 to 5. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and Holy Spirit confounded. The heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cast, cut off from Christ, if that could save them. They are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made a covenant with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him, like we worship him today, and receive his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are the ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as in human nature is concerned, and he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Amen. That's a very, very bold statement to have a conversation that, uh, we, that Paul was having a conversation with the Jews, the Christians. Remember, there's sometimes that we read these things and we think that the Bible is talking about the world in general. But pretty much it's talking to the Christians. And if we look at uh, the tone that Paul applies on in a... You see the tone that Paul's... One second. Technology. There we go. If you see the tone that Paul is applying in chapter 8, and the tone he's applying on chapter 9 is very, very different. Because if you guys remember, in chapter 8... Paul is telling them how they win, how they have control of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is given to them. He also tells, me, tells them that there is no obligation for them to live in a sinful nature. So he's pretty much giving them an out. Hey, listen, there is no reason for you to continue doing the things you are doing. This is a new, this is a new thing. And then he tells them that there is nothing that can separate them from God. That's what he's telling them in chapter 8, right? Remember Pastor Jay last week, conjoined twins, right? And then he goes and says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we are growing from this place where he's building them up and encouraging them to a point where he's saying, man, you guys are messing up big time. And if you listen to Paul's statement, the way he does it, he, he starts out by affirming, by saying he's talking the truth. 
So pretty much they are not listening to him. They kind of not believe him, right? And so in Romans 9, 1 says, With Christ as my witness, I speak the utter truthfulness, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirmed it. The Jews were all about the law. And if you, if you look at that verse, it actually talks about with Christ as my witness, right? Witness, law, the language they understand, right? I actually speak truthfulness, and then the Holy Spirit can confirm it, meaning that there is somebody who can confirm the word they are saying. Because Paul, well, the, the intent of Paul is not just to speak to them, but he wants to get into their heart. Right. But it seems like Paul is too picking to a group that is just choosing what they want to listen to. They are not listening to the words. They are not taking the words, uh, the word value. They are just listening to Paul and just picking up whatever they want to pick and not listening to the rest of the stuff. I wonder if there was a time in life where we just listened to what we want to do, and you know, a group of people would just be listening to whatever, and some, they hear the truth, but then they choose not to follow the truth and just want to please their own ears and their own desires. It's interesting because I was thinking about uh, in the good old days, right? And it depends on how old you are when you say good old days, right? (laughs) 2019. (laughs) So in the good old days when contracts were written on a napkin. Think about that. Actually, I went ahead and I looked up one story. So if you guys know, one of the best football players in the whole wide world Marcus Ford, I like it. <laughs> the, 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 main, the, the best professional football player, and I'm talking about football, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the world football, not the American football. Uh, right? The real football, right? But that's a whole new, new debate for another day. Um, I'm talking about Messi. Do you guys know Messi? Lionel Messi. If you don't know Lionel Messi, you're missing the whole rest of the world. Okay? Lionel Messi was so good. He was an Argentinian guy. And he, he played for a long time. And um, what he did is he was going to... So they sent scouts to go and check out who's playing soccer. Because soccer is huge. Let me use soccer so we can be on the same page, right? All right. Not football, right? For, you, for my audience today, it is soccer, okay? So... So... So he, so the soccer scouts would go out there and scout people. And so they were told that there is this kid who's really, really good. This was in 2000. And the guy came out, and he was only 13 years old, very, very short guy. And they were like, there is no way this guy is going to be any good. So what did they do? They saw him play, and he was amazing. Right there and then, they couldn't sign a contract because he was not of age. So guess what they did? They literally took a napkin and wrote an, a contract saying that we, when you are ready of age, we are going to sign you, and this is what we're going to do. That little napkin ended up being a three million, three million euros contract in four years. And the coolest part, this has nothing to do with the word today, just cool, okay, I'll give you facts. The cool thing is that napkin, they have offered a million dollars just to keep it, and the guy who got it, he says, no, I'm just going to continue keeping it. And so when I was thinking about this, I'm going somewhere with this, not just stories. When I think about this, think about it. Where have we gone? Like Paul is speaking to this group of people who they don't even want to listen to the truth. The truth has become something so far away that the word of mouth, the napkin that we write on and say, hey, I'm going to keep my word, never happens anymore. 
They're shaking your hand like this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do that. And guess what? One behavior translates to another. If that's the same thing that we are doing with our human, human being, we're going to do the same thing with God. You're going to say, I'm committing to doing this, but you're never going to be able to do that. But we Christians have been called to be honorable and to have integrity. That when we say something, we're going to do something, that we do it. And Ephesians 5, 15, 17 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, if you look at the world today, the truth is being drowned so much by lies. There is so many lies out there that you do not know what to believe, right? And so for us Christians, it's so easy to feel like we are just covered by that water of lies. But we are the people who are going to stand up and talk that truth. That if I say, hey, this is what we are agreeing to, or this is what I'm committing to, then you get to do it. Because that's the right thing to do. We must uphold our morals higher than the world does. Paul is speaking to an audience that knows Christ and he, they, these people he's, he's speaking to, he's telling them, you guys know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a witness. Right? And what happens nowadays is we, 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 we acknowledge the things that we want to acknowledge, but when it comes to things that touch our soul, we are like, oh, I can only acknowledge this much, but I'm not going to continue to acknowledge the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Romans 9.2, Paul says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief. Paul has great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart when he thinks of whom they are rejecting because the Jews are rejecting God. It's so painful that Paul uses the statement that it's kind of of no return. This is the last thing I can say to you guys. Like, there is nothing else I can say. And he says, I would be willing forever to be cast, to, to be cut off from Christ if this would save them. Amen. Like he's... It's like coming to the end, like I have nothing else. Like I'm willing, pretty much if you translate it, it's like I'm willing to lose my salvation if this could save somebody. And see, this statement is, deep, is deeper than the face value because the idea of a Jew being cursed was not something the Jews would think about. In, if anything, they would have violated the word of God. In their law, somebody being a cursed, being a Jew, it would have been like, no, that can never happen. And Paul is going to, he's using everything he can to be able to explain to them that, listen, where you guys are going is not the right place. What you guys are doing is not the right thing. The word of God is here. You've been given so much privilege but then you don't want to use it. And I feel like for us who, are, who God has given us uh, the opportunity to speak, sometimes I feel like that. Because as we write the notes, as we go to the Bible, as we read, as Pastor Matt is here every Sunday, he's, do, he's looking for the words that are going to touch your heart. He's not just putting words so then that way you can feel space, but it's like a point where he's asking God, if I say this, Lord, is it going to touch people's heart or is it just going to be another word? And that's where Paul is. He's like, what can I do? What can I say in order for them to know that they can gain all these things that were going on in that time, but they're going to lose their life if they don't continue to do what God has called them to. And that applies to us today. There is so much noise around us. There is so much noise. We, we were talking the other day about how 
you know, having a video on YouTube for five minutes is like, that is too long. People want shots, right? right? Yeah. They want to consume as much. And it's not consume the same thing as much. It's just consume so much little things to fill their head. And it's like, Lord, that's the same thing that we're expecting from the Lord. We want to just be consumed real Bible verses and continue. Right. From Paul, it's a statement of heart. Like a parent who's willing to bear his sins of their, their kid and trade the places. This statement doesn't come lightly. It's a statement of endearment too. Paul speaks of Christ that he has come to know. He's not trying to sell them a Christ he doesn't know. He's saying, listen, I understand what you guys are going, what you're going on with the life. I know all these things that are going in your life, but let me tell you, the person that I'm introducing to is somebody who has changed my life. And my life has been really bad. You should have seen me. You should have known what I did. But Christ is the one that has rescued me. And he's doing the same thing to them. Paul speaks of a Christ he has come to know. The one that has saved his life and corrected the course of his life. And I wonder today, when we speak about Christ to other people, when we think about Christ himself, do we think of Christ as that one who has changed the course of our life? Or is this something that we just do on the side and, hey, I am a Christian, I have put Christ on the side. And then it's like, hey, if I go share Christ, I'm like, I'm just going to share. And trust me, this pierced my heart too, because when I share Christ, I don't have that, man, God changed my life. You've got you to come to see Christ and see what he's done in your life. Paul says you'd give up everything to have just one, somebody to get a glimpse of what it is to be fully devoted in the Lord. And the reason I believe he does that is because Paul understands the heart of Christ. Right? In Galatians 20.20 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I li- now live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself of me, for me. The life I live, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So that means when Christ hurts, Paul can feel it. We can feel it because we have the Holy Spirit. When there is joy in Christ's heart, then we have joy. When there is sorrow, we have sorrow. Right? When, we, when, when those things that break God's heart, they break us too. But we cannot separate those because Christ is in us. Is that conjoined? Remember, Pastor Jay talked about being conjoined. You know, it's interesting, uh, not interesting, but we usually have prayer nights here every Monday and 6 o'clock. And uh, on one of the prayer nights, I believe Eva was speaking, and she talked about God being a lover of our soul. And it stuck with me because she said, when she was talking about prayer, when we are talking about when we're going before God, are we going before God as a lover of our soul? Think about your lover. If you're married or if you're dating or somebody that you dearly care for, you look forward to seeing them. You look forward to hanging out with them. You look forward to being with them all the time. You cannot, you're checking your phone to see when you can get a chance to be able to talk to them. But yet what has happened is we've, there, is, there is no difference between the Jews who are just, it's good for us, we are good, we are comfortable. But for us it's become like I'm only going before God when I'm praying for something. 
I'm only talking to God when I need somebody, when I want to intercede for somebody. I'm only asking God, and when I want to worship, when I want to worship God or pray to Him, and I, I want to pray for five minutes, and the next for next 20 minutes, I want to talk to them and tell them what I need from Him. Is that a love of your soul? Right? Spending time with God. I love the message Pastor Mark preached and says, That's that which costs you nothing. And you might ask, what am I going to give God? But think, look at your time as something valuable. Does it cost you something to be before God, to pray, to fast? Does it cost you something? Or is it just, hey, you know what? I did everything else for the rest of the day. Now I have a little bit time to talk to God. Or I'm going to rush through the morning and be able to just like, I, you know, I spend my 30 minutes with God. Now I can spend the rest of the day just doing my own thing. Does it cost you anything? That which costs you nothing. Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He let me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful stream. He renews my strength. He guides me along right path, bringing honor to his name. And I, everybody probably, most Christians know that, that psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So pretty much you think about it, face value, right? The Lord sets a table for you before, in front of the enemy. He does all these things to make you comfortable. Yeah. It's not one-sided. The question is, what does the Lord need from you at that point? I've taken you for a picnic and I've laid everything out. I've had the best things for you. I've protected you from all these enemies. And then now... As I come before you so we can hang out, you're like, no, that's, I have my time. I don't have time for you. Because yeah. okay. it says, I have all that I need with Christ. But do we give him what he needs? Right. Do we give him what he needs? Because if he's giving you something, he needs something. And that he needs your heart. He needs your attention. He needs your life. Yeah. We only think of, our, of what we get. But what about the Lord? What about the Lord's heart? Do you ever think about the Lord's heart? See, Paul is talking about this specifically to these people because he's saying that he's, he is willing to lose whatever he can in order to bring this point home. He understands the length at which God has gone to rescue the Jews' people. The Bible says that they are God's, they are God's, adopted, they are God's adopted children by himself. And guess what? You are as well. He has made a covenant with them. And he has made a covenant with us, that once we submit ourselves, and when we give ourselves to him, that he will bless us, he'll be with us, he'll walk. Though we walk through 2019 and 2020, he shall walk with us. He's given the law, his written direction. And guess what? We have a Bible. So even for us, we've been given that too. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him, receiving his wonderful promises. Isn't that what we are doing today? Yes. And all the promises that he's written there, if, then I will, yes. right? Yes. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the ancestors, they were role models. And for us, the Bible, we have so many people who've gone before us. Paul, who have carved away way for us. So we can, can we say we don't have any role models? He's given us more than just those. Yes. Jesus Christ himself was an Israelite. So he was one of their tribe. But guess what? We get even better. Jesus Christ is in our heart. The Holy Spirit gets to reside in us. Can we really have an excuse why we can really submit completely to Christ? 
See, when you look at all these, they are really set up for success. And I think we are all set up for success as well. Right? Three people. I think we are all set up for success, right? I just want to make sure you guys are awake. Okay. It's almost like Paul is asking them, what else do you need? What else do you need? What else does it take for you to know that you are loved by the Almighty God? And that's the same question that I have for us tonight, myself included. What else do we need in order for us to know the price that's been paid for us, the amount of the length that God has gone to make that relationship, to a point that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us constantly? What else do we need? Paul is saying, do I need to give up my salvation, the promise I have inherited through Christ for you to understand this? Does he need to give, to give up his salvation, to be condemned forever, so then they can understand? And so the same question for us today, the Holy Spirit is asking us, what else do we need? Jesus is asking, I've died on the cross, I've, I've given it all, what else do I need to do in order for you guys to take me serious for who I am and see that I love you? Paul finds these rejections very hard because of the mercy God has given them, uh, they have given to them. See, as I read this, I can't I can help to see the parallels of our lives and the Jews and how Paul's heart was and what, what that was. And, and the story that comes to my mind as we read this was the prodigal son story. In Luke 15, 1, 12, and I'm not going to read 11 to 12, I'm not going to read it. You guys, that's your homework. Um, Jesus is telling about a story of a young man, of, of, this, of this man who had two sons. You guys know that story, right? Yes. The young one says, hey, I'm ready for my inheritance. Just give me what I want. I'm just going to go. I can do better than you can, right? Then he goes and he spends it all. And just when he spent it all, then what happened? There's a famine that comes in. It's interesting when the enemy always lies to us that, hey, guess what? Everything is going to be good, but God always protects us from things. So if we walk away from the umbrella of God and we decide to go on our own, then when things come, we get rained and it becomes wet and it becomes really bad, right? And then he comes to his senses and he says, man, you know what? In my father's house, even the servants are having better food than myself, they have food, they have rest, they have everything that I need. I'm going to go in and I'm tell my dad that, Dad, I don't even want to be here. Please make me a servant. And then he walks slowly by slowly. And we know when he came in Luke 15, 20, 20, 20 to 22, he says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still long away of his father, saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer what to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Quickly bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his fingers and sandal for his feet. And so, when you think about it, that's the picture that Paul is trying to paint to these people and saying, listen. And that's the picture we are painting today, that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you have gone. Yes, our relationship was with God. Then sin came and separated us. And we went different places. But God is sitting there. Jesus is waiting and saying, you know what? If you feel like you can't come, this prodigal son has spent everything, his inheritance. 
I know some of us, or most of us, can testify of how we were given our own inheritance and we walked away and did the things that we did, but then we caught our name and saying, Lord, I'm willing to be anything, but God says, you are a broken vessel, and I can work with a broken vessel. That he doesn't go and God is God is all creator. He could have created a whole new generation. He could have always said to me, my, my testimony is God would have gone and created somebody much, much better than me. But I was a broken vessel and he still chose to sit there and tape me around, put glue in those little pieces. But that wasn't enough. He took me and decided to put flowers so he can get fragrance out of that. How can I not give him praise all the days of my life? How can I not worship him knowing that I could have been dumped in a trash and he's like, no, you are still worth something because I created you. I love you and I care so much about you. And when you think about Paul's heart, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you do not know my story, but let me introduce you to who can change your life. And this lost stuff that you have, that doesn't take you anywhere. See, I want, you to, I want to remind you that Paul was hated by the Jews. They harassed him. They started up lies to him, for him. They were violent against him. Yet he still loved them passionately. He still loved them. He's not talking to a people who are caring so much, who cares and love him and want to see him successful. This, he's, trying, he's saying, I will give up my salvation to these people who don't even care about me. And that challenged me deep to my core because I'm thinking, what about the people I love? How come I don't have that same zeal to tell them about Christ? I think he was stuck last Monday, he, uh, Monday this, coming, this past Monday, prayer night, he talked about that, sharing the gospel. We have all been called to share the gospel. And it's not just to share the gospel so we can check a box that we share the gospel. We've been called to have that zeal, the same zeal that Paul is talking about. Paul knew the transformation power of Christ. Do you know the transformation power of Christ tonight? A man, Paul was a man that remembers daily how God has, has changed his life. What does it take to know Christ? I know some of you, because you are point people, you know, like one, two, three. I know you guys are losing it. Okay, I'm going to give you three points, okay? Okay. <laughs> it's about time. What does it take to know Christ? There are so many ways, but I'm going to just share a few. One is acknowledging that you are loved by your Father. John 3.16 says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave up his begotten Son, and it says he, his unique begotten son, that whoever believes in him, trusting and clings on him and relies on him, he shall not perish. He shall not come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal life. That he greatly, greatly loved us and he still loves us. First John 4.10, in this love, in this love, in this love, not that he loved, not that we love God, but that he loved us and tens, sent his son to be a petition of our sins. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love to us, that while we are still sinner, Christ died for us. That the dad didn't tell the prodigal son, no, I'm going to need you to work for the next 20 years to be able to pay whatever you got and you're going to be a servant. He says, I've been waiting for you. He doesn't even respond to his shenanigans. He just said, come, let's clothe him. And that's God who loves us while we are still sinners. 
What does it take to know Christ? Second point, realizing that our Father waits for our return. The point that Paul seemed to be making to the Israel it's, um, has failed. So Paul is trying to make a point to the Israel telling them that all these things, that all these facade that you've created, all these things that you are trying to poise, that people see you like, man, you got it. That is not going to take you anywhere. And you don't have to impress anybody because the Father is willing to take you back. reminding them that they have a great advantage and I'm reminding you the same thing that we have a great advantage that the Bible says all we have to do is call upon his name and we shall be saved and this is my last point what does it take to know Christ a fully submitted heart to God a fully submitted heart to God not the stuff that we are seeing nowadays where somebody sees one thing and then they are doing another thing God knows our heart. And tonight, if you know that you haven't fully, fully submitted your heart to Christ, you need to call upon him and correct that. Because the Bible says the hour is now. So I'll have everybody stand up. And in the next minute here, we're going to play a song uh, here. I want to open the altar. My altar call today is one. If you haven't given your life to Christ, there's no better time for you to do that. So come over here, we'll pray with you. We'll pray with the rest of people. The next altar call that I call is those people that feel like they really haven't submitted fully to Christ. If there are things in your life that you feel, man, I need to make it right with Christ, today is the opportunity. And the third one is, like Paul, when we go out there to share our gospel, when we go out to share what God has done for us, if you truly feel that you're just giving a half of what you're supposed to, that you're not fully, fully showing, you are sharing the gospel like it means something. Talk to God. Talk to Him. Go ahead and play that. So the altar is open for you guys. Hey, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media.